Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. BetOnline.ag is back and better than ever for the 2021 football season. With a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, BetOnline continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 100% welcome bonus. Double your initial deposit just for signing up today. Use the promo code NFL100 at checkout. BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, or good night, however and whenever it is you may be listening, thank you for stopping into another fantabulous episode of the Take It Easy podcast on a second Fantabulous Football Monday. Welcome in, everybody. I hope y'all are doing fantastic here today. We've got a fantastic show planned for you today, as well as a fantastic Memes of the Weekend show as well. Memes of the Weekend is actually going to drop before our NFL Monday recap show, so you can laugh maybe before or after. Doesn't matter. They both come out at the same day, same time. We'll figure out the recording schedule as we go along. First place we're going to start here for the second week in a row is with the Kansas City Chiefs, and they lost to the Baltimore Ravens, which means we cannot play our Migos song to celebrate the Kansas City Chiefs' successes, but... The Baltimore Ravens did win this game, and we don't have any songs for the Baltimore Ravens. So if you've got anything in mind for what we could play for Baltimore, throw it out there. I don't know if there's like a Baltimore rapper or something or a Lamar Jackson song or whatever it is. But if y'all got anything for Baltimore, I love these ideas of like incorporating songs and beats into the podcast with a soundboard. So give me a heads up if you got anything there. So game of the week is... This Chiefs-Ravens game, and boy, it did not disappoint. Primetime game, back-and-forth duel. Lamar Jackson had to, you know, iron things out early on in the game, and it was just enough to give the Chiefs the lead. But after the first, really the pick six to start the game, Lamar Jackson pretty much after that outplayed Patrick Mahomes. And Mahomes was awesome. Lamar was less than that. But Lamar Jackson's offense is built into the running attack of course and he had over 100 rushing yards again because as much as all those running backs going out hurt the Baltimore Ravens it was never going to do the same amount of damage as losing Lamar Jackson in which the running game is built upon and so the Baltimore Ravens end up winning 36-35 with a killer fourth quarter drive where they just imposed their will upon the Kansas City Chiefs and took like six minutes on the final drive, scored a touchdown where Lamar Jackson did a flip into the end zone. It was spectacular and fantabulous and all of those other words that we use to describe it. It was a wonderful, wonderful experience for 
the Kansas, for the Baltimore Ravens, um, and then Clyde Edwards-Alaire had to go and ruin it because they gave him three minutes and 14 seconds of which to do damage with, and Mahomes only needed a minute of that to get into field goal range. And it was only Clyde Edwards-Alaire's fumble that determined the game. Like, after all that, after all the craziness, all the, you know, 40-yard touchdowns to Pringle and Lamar Jackson rushes for two touchdowns and a passing touchdown and all the craziness of the game, the difference between those two teams in that night was a Clyde Edwards-Alaire fumble because without that, Butker comes out, he's going to kick the game winner, and we're playing the Mahomes song here on the podcast. And instead... The Chiefs end up losing a result that really doesn't hurt them that much. But there are some underlying concerns with the Kansas City Chiefs. And it's all on the defensive side of the ball. Now, Clyde Edwards-Alaire's fumbles are a concern, but this just seems to be a fluke thing. The Ravens' defense did a great job of punching it out. Seems to be a bit of a fluky thing that we don't necessarily anticipate in the future. Where this is concerning for the Kansas City Chiefs is the same concerns I had last week against the Cleveland Browns, which is... Kansas City's defense, and I keep bringing up this stat again, Kansas City's defense, when they lost the AFC Championship to the Patriots in 2018, was 29th in the NFL in DVOA, with an offense that ranked in the top three. The year they went to the Super Bowl with an offense ranked in the top three. DVOA, nine on defense, win the Super Bowl. Last year, with the number one ranked offense in the NFL, Kansas City had the number 21 ranked offense in or defense in DVOA and they lose the Super Bowl. The trend suggests that Kansas City just needs a not horrible defense to make it to the Super Bowl or win the Super Bowl or win the AFC or whatever it is. To win everything, Kansas City just needs not a horrible defense. And there were a lot of concerns coming into this season around the Kansas City defense. And so the Chiefs find themselves with all of those concerns being exacerbated to the point where I look up and say it's genuinely concerning because you could see this result replicating itself again in the playoffs. Now, is the Chiefs' offense so overwhelming that they'll probably get to 30 points just by a whim? Because now they've done it against Cleveland and against Baltimore? Absolutely. Two of the better defenses in the league, by the way, being Cleveland and Baltimore. Yes, absolutely. But the concern for Kansas City is that those teams can put up offense against Kansas City's. We saw Baltimore outplayed them for about three quarters. So the first quarter belonged to Kansas City, and after that, Baltimore pretty much outplayed them the rest of the game. You know, you could argue it was really more the second half, but I'll incorporate the end of the third quarter in there as well. Baltimore pretty, or end of the second quarter. Baltimore pretty much outplayed Kansas City all the way through. Cleveland, on offense, did not punt until the third quarter of the game against Kansas City. These are the ways that you beat the Kansas City Chiefs. Textbook ways to win. Cleveland got one shot with Baker Mayfield driving down the field. He ended up throwing an interception. They got one drive with two minutes left to beat the Chiefs. And if you would have told Cleveland coming into that game that that was what they were going to get, they would have been happy and walked away smiling, saying, we'll take that nine times out of ten. Baltimore comes in and says, look, you guys are going to get a chance to pick up one first down on the ground, and you can beat the Kansas City Chiefs by outscoring them. The Chiefs are going to score 35 points. They're going to have five touchdowns, and you're still going to get one first down to win the game. 
Baltimore would be elated to hear that. And they got to fourth and one in the cojones on John Harbaugh to say, we're going to leave the ball in the hands of Lamar Jackson to deny. I mean, this is like new school NFL at its finest. It's Mahomes, it's Lamar, who, by the way, two best quarterbacks in the NFL now, bar none. Aaron Rodgers gets to kind of hang around that tier, but of course he's now 39 and hasn't shown much to the contrary of a fluky MVP season. Mahomes and Lamar are the two best quarterbacks in the NFL. Deshaun Watson's hanging out behind him, but of course Deshaun Watson might be out of football for two years and nobody knows what to do with the Deshaun Watson situation, which is why I'm not going to talk about it in small windows. Just acknowledge that it's there. But Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes are the two best quarterbacks in the NFL, and I'm just glad that we get 10 more years of this matchup. They've been in the league four years now. Same well, no, Mahomes is five years, Lamar is four. They've been in the league four years. They've now played four times against each other. And I'm so glad for all of these matchups because they're all just so dang good. Mahomes and Lamar matchups are so freaking fun. And I hope they play every year because I'm just so glad that we get 10 more years of this. 15 more years of this, really 10 more years of high-level football between these two. Oh my gosh, it's unbelievable. And I had said back in 2019 when I was, you know, pouring water on the fire of the Lamar for MVP race thing. You know, I felt like because I'm a Mahomes guy that the rest of the way I was going to have a little bit of disdain towards Lamar Jackson just because those two were going to be going head-to-head for the next, you know, what, 10, 15 years. And Mahomes won the MVP in 2018, Lamar won it in 2019, and they probably should have gone to the Super Bowl if not for one of the weirdest and wackiest upsets of the last decade between the Titans and Ravens in the playoffs that really came down to a tipped Interception by Kevin Byard and two failed fourth down conversions swinging the game 28 points in favor of the Titans. And yes, they should have played in the playoffs for the first time in 2019. It should have been the Mahomes-Lamar peak. And then in 2020, Mahomes, they were just a super team over the Ravens early in the season when they played. And this year, even with injuries across the board, this year feels like the year they are the closest competitors. And Lamar showed it in that game last night that they can dominate at the level of the Kansas City Chiefs on offense. Who cares who's playing running back? Who cares if you lose Marcus Peters? Because the way you're going to beat the Chiefs is by just outdueling them. And I think Baltimore is going to have to fight in that division, both with Pittsburgh and with Cleveland, but more so with Cleveland. All they have to do is take care of business in their two games against Pittsburgh, and the Steelers won't be a threat to win the division. They might be a threat to make noise, but they won't necessarily be a threat to win the division, because I think Baltimore on paper, even with injuries, is still probably about two games better than the Pittsburgh Steelers. Maybe three, because it's a 17-game season now, but the sentiment is there. Two and a half games better on paper than the Steelers. While the, the Chiefs are in that territory, and every point this time forward for the Chiefs is the regular season does not matter. Not a single game the Chiefs play in the regular season matters. The entire regular season is about preparation for three or four playoff games in the in January and February. That is what the entire regular season exists for for the Chiefs. The Ravens is not exactly in that point, but they're the second team kind of treading between the line. I think Tampa Bay is there in the NFC side, 
and Green Bay is there in the NFC side, but Green Bay is falling apart at the seam. But for Baltimore and Kansas City, the entire season in the AFC exists to get to the playoffs. And Kansas City, it's just about being healthy when you get there. Baltimore, it's about making sure you win the division. And then after that, nothing else matters. doesn't matter if you're the two, the three, whatever. Kansas City and Baltimore are the two best teams in the AFC. They have the two best quarterbacks in the AFC. Those two teams should be on a crash course for the AFC championship. And only by weird scheduling rules will they play before the AFC championship game. Because they're just that damn overwhelming. Sorry, Buffalo. Sorry, Cleveland. Those two teams are the two best in the AFC. Kansas City, Baltimore. Buffalo can beat both of them. Entirely plausible. Tennessee beat Baltimore. It's a weird league. Weird stuff happens sometimes. But those two teams are on a crash course for the AFC Championship. And even if they don't meet in the playoffs this year by another miraculously weird confluence of events, those two are going to be meeting year after year after year for the next decade. And the winners of that is going to be all of us. Also, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, you can go yourself for losing Mahomes that game. Tighten up. It's a weird bit of a transition, but felt like that was the best way to to naturally transition this one over to uh, our next stories of the day, which I guess begins with the afternoon slate and the crazy overtime Titans-Seahawks game that, you know, the Seahawks don't usually lose that one. The, the, the chaos game where everyone's scoring weird points and it's impossible to follow and Twitter's losing their mind because weird stuff is happening. Seahawks usually win that one. So the Titans really fought that one hard. I get to be the GOAT in the bad sense because I made a, a tweet over on our Take It Easy page about how Derrick Henry rushed for 250 yards in Week 17 to reach 2,000 and then just dipped. At that point, he had 57 carries for 140 yards, which comes out to an average of about 2.7 yards per carry in his playoff game against the Ravens, opening week against the Cardinals, and the first half against the Seattle Seahawks. And after I tweeted that out, Derrick Henry had an additional 189 yards of offense and three touchdowns to end the game against the Seattle Seahawks. Good for my fantasy team. I kicked ass to win in fantasy this week, thanks to Derrick Henry, but still a rough, rough L that I took that I can still make content out of, not just here on Take It Easy, but also over on Comical Sports Memes and the Memes of the Weekend podcast, which you can check out out now above, well, I guess below this episode because it's dropping before Take It Easy. But the Titans offense looked really good. And I think the part that was missing before was just that it looked really bad when Derrick Henry gets contained. We saw it in the playoff game against the Ravens and the game against the Cardinals that when you take away the threat of Derrick Henry, um, all of a sudden the offense does become a little one-dimensional. And Maybe Antonio Brown or AJ Brown. Sorry, that's a miscue there, but they they have similar skill sets. Maybe AJ Brown can get 50 yards and a touchdown, but if you take away Derrick Henry or the threat of Derrick Henry, well, then it becomes a little bit easier to guard the secondary, even if the Titans have a weaker second, or even if the team they're playing has a weaker secondary, you can still take away Antonio Brown 
and or AJ Brown. Damn it. I'm going to make that mistake a few times. AJ Brown and now Julio Jones, who kind of just replaces Corey Davis. Um, Julio Jones almost had that touchdown, which I know is controversial and they overturned, but it probably shouldn't have been overturned. The call probably should have stood on the field, but they only called the touchdown so that they could go back to review. It's a very strange play, but Julio Jones, that that was kind of the moment that would have saved him in that game um, from, you know, having another dud and having people speculate like Julio Jones is officially washed. And while Julio Jones definitely isn't the player he once was, um, this is kind of what happens when those big physical bodies break down. Because the thing I've said for years about Julio Jones is Julio Jones could have played any sport and been a Hall of Famer. He just happened to choose to be a wide receiver in football. Like he is that one in a 10 million lottery body. And Julio Jones would have been a Hall of Famer no matter what he did. He just happened to choose to be a wide receiver in the NFL. And when that body breaks down, you're going to see a bit of a decline in play. And obviously the joke around Julio Jones is that he hasn't caught the touchdowns in years past, which, you know, fair criticism or not, it is a criticism of Julio Jones. But I still found it strange that we were doing the same, you know, overhyping or over reacting to Julio Jones not doing well when if he scores that touchdown that gets called back all of a sudden Julio Jones has a highlight real play to kick off his Titans career and his stat line looks pretty good in that game so Titans I, I don't think there's much to overreact with there but I mean saying Julio Jones is still Julio Jones of his prime is you know a bit delusional but I thought we'd all kind of agreed that Julio Jones was no longer in his prime that's why the Falcons traded him to the Titans so it wasn't for the value they were getting. They only got a second-round pick for Julio Jones. So definitely wasn't that. Um, that Vikings-Cardinals game, woof. We're going to talk about that more on Memes of the Weekend, but that game was just chaos, man. And I had two plays this weekend where I said, what the bleep, as I'm sitting there on my, well, I guess my chair, watching on my computer. And they were both Kyler Murray. The 70-yard touchdown he had was a what-the-bleep type of play. I think it was to Rondale Moore. And then the one where there was the blitz, and he still, like, straight rush from Minnesota. He still got the pass off, floated it right in there to, I believe, A.J. Green. Maybe it was Christian Kirk. I don't remember. But just floated the ball right up and in while getting a free rush from the Minnesota Vikings, who got a bit of a head start on the play. It was just like, how does he do that? That quarterback is special. Kyler Murray is special. And we saw it there in that game in the afternoon block. Just going to finish off the afternoon block here with the the Cowboys and Chargers game, which came down to a last-second field goal. And I wish I had picked the Cowboys in our pick'em pool instead of just doing it on the slump buster this week. But... Cowboys did indeed beat the Chargers, and it was a tremendous victory for the Dallas Cowboys, considering that both teams felt like they were scoring in the 30s, but because there were so many turnovers in the game, it wasn't quite the same duel that we thought it was, and so uh, I thought it was really cool to see the, and again, I went two for three this week, so it wasn't a great week. Tua's injury kind of stunk that one up for me, which we'll get to in a second, but um, it was a rough, rough break for, um, 
it was a rough break for the the Chargers considering that they just didn't get to hold the ball last and Dallas ended up, you know, turning the ball over, but Herbert turned the ball over a couple times, and Herbert was really good outside of those turnovers. At, at one point, he completed like 88% of his passes. Him and Baker Mayfield completed like 88% of their passes, which was super remarkable, and I thought it was a great, great job by Justin Herbert. Even with the interceptions, you can walk away and say it was still a highly productive game for Justin Herbert. For the Cowboys, it was just a matter of holding the ball last and their defense actually getting the turnovers. That's like three turnovers now for the Cowboys if you take away that Hail Mary. Actually, if you want to add the Hail Mary Tom Brady threw at the end of the half on opening night, that's what, four or five turnovers the Cowboys have generated this year? For a bad defense, that's a great way to go about uh, you know, looking better than you are is by forcing a lot of turnovers. And you can win games like this that aren't in the 30-30 shootouts that we've been joking the Cowboys have had now as the New Falcons. I put New Falcons in air quotes. Where the Cowboys uh, won their first game in four years without scoring more than 30 points. Getting turnovers is a way to make defenses look better than they are. And that's kind of the key to success for the Dallas Cowboys early on in the season, both in keeping it close with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, winning the turnover margin, and beating the Los Angeles Chargers, a lesser team than the Buccaneers, no doubt, but they still controlled the turnover margin, and it's a great way to make a poor defense look better than it is or make an average defense look great, like the Miami Dolphins. Speaking of the Miami Dolphins, the greatest football team who takes the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. And they're in the air, they're on the ground, and they're always in control. And you know, when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl, because they're the Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. They're the Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. They may have lost, but, you know, we picked them this week on our pick em pool. We... Didn't account for a Tua Tungavailoa injury, which, by the way, at the time of recording, this is early on Monday morning, we do not have an update on Tua Tungavailoa's injury status right now. Uh, all it says is still uh, rib injury right now. Of course, Carson Wentz also went out in that Colts-Rams game, which, by the way, just I don't know if there's much to talk about in that Colts-Rams game. The Rams are really good. Um, all the problems they had before appear to be fixed on offense just by the addition of Matt Stafford and just the fear of being able to throw the ball over the middle. It opens up the run game for Daryl Henderson, and now Sony Michelle is kind of like a third down type of back, and maybe you know every now and then he'll get a carry, kind of like how uh, Jeremy McNichols gets the carries every now and then for the Titans, but Still, uh, the the offense runs so much smoother with just the threat of passing. Uh, also, um, there's this fun story that NFL Network did about how Cooper Cup and Jared Goff were living together when they were both drafted in 2016, and it appears that not only has Matthew Stafford stolen Jared Goff's team, he's also stolen Jared Goff's best friend in Cooper Cup as his new number one target, Cooper Cup. Uh, is second in the NFL in touchdown receptions, somehow only behind Rob Gronkowski, which is just generally 
genuinely unbelievable. Combined uh, genuinely and unbelievable to make generally uh, somehow. But back to the Miami Dolphins. So Tua goes out early in the game, and from that point on, uh, it's pretty much just downhill from there for the Miami Dolphins. And Buffalo was obviously the better team coming in. I knew Buffalo was the better team coming in. I just was rolling with Miami for the cover of like four points and maybe pulling off an upset because that's what Miami does, especially defense. We just talked about it with the Cowboys. Defenses that force turnovers generally get good things happening, or at the very least, they look better than what we think they look like. And so for the Miami Dolphins, that's kind of what happened uh, or what I thought would ha- it's what happened in the first game actually against the Patriots. They won only because they forced a fumble of Damian Harris at the end. But the Dolphins end up get- I'm put in a position where I trust them more than I would teams of similar ilk or caliber, especially with their offensive shortcomings. And the Tua injury all of a sudden stunts the Miami Dolphins because we know from the experience with the Colts, and actually the Colts and Dolphins are quite intertwined this week. But we know from experience with the Colts, if Jacoby Brissett's your quarterback, you're going seven and nine, which now appears to be about seven and ten. But we know Jacoby Brissett is like a, a, a slightly upper tier backup quarterback. And as Jacoby Brissett ages into his thirties, because yes, Jacoby Brissett is almost thirty years old at this point, um Jacoby Brissett is actually um twenty eight years old. He turns twenty nine in December. But as Jacoby Brissett ages, he'll start to become a mid-level backup and then be out of the league. Um, Jacoby Brissett is not going to do you anything, especially with a roster that has some names, but overall lacks, you know, positional value at certain places. Uh, Surprisingly, Jacoby Brissett had a great connection with Jalen Waddell, which was, you know, a little surprising to see. Not super surprising, but a little. And so... If Tua's out for extended periods of time, that could derail the Dolphins' season and kind of set up what we thought in the first place when we did our season analyses, which is Buffalo's the best team in that division, the Patriots are the second team in that division, and just by virtue of having to play them four times in a season, along with a schedule that I think includes the NFC South as one of those difficult parts of the schedule yeah because Tom Brady goes to New England in a couple weeks so yeah the AFC East plays the NFC South this year which is you know tough enough but you also have to play those teams it's going to be hard for the Dolphins to find a route to the playoffs and if Tua goes down for you know three four weeks um, you know the rib injury didn't immediately rule him out but he also didn't come back into the game so it's not like you know season ending injury but it could be you know, like a Drew Brees situation where he's playing through a car crash worth of broken ribs. Uh, We don't know exactly what the situation is yet, like I said, but if he has to miss extended periods of time, the Dolphins have minimal margin for error. And this is already difficult because I had said the Dolphins will miss the playoffs unless they have a top 10 offense. Unless they have a top 10 offense, they will regress this year. We did a, a Bill Barnwell style regressions and improvements year over year with stripe hype it's the third year we've done this and i said the dolphins will regress from 10 and 6 unless they have a top 10 offense and without tua they're a bottom 10 offense uh tua is their only hope and his development is their only hope of getting into the top 10 and if he's gone for even like a month i think a month is the maximum they can afford to lose Tua and still gain the ground back just to get to where they would have been had they had Tua the entire season. So there's not much to take away from that game. They get blanked 
outside of with Jacoby Brissett at quarterback, they get blanked because Jacoby Brissett as your quarterback against Buffalo, not a great combo. Buffalo's defense turning it around, getting back towards that 2019 form that we remember, and a big part of that is having seven edge rushers. Bills have seven edge rushers. You'd think they'd move one of them to defensive tackle, but they've got Ed Oliver, who they're still trying to hope for, and still hanging around is Star Lodalele, still just hanging around the Buffalo locker room. But Buffalo's seven edge rushers really help. Um, depth on the interior is a plus for them, and this is two games in a row where they've played very well. One against a, you know, average to mediocre offense in the Steelers, held them to 20 points, and then blanking the Dolphins, who, with Jacoby Brissett, is probably one of the bottom 7-10 to 10 offenses in the NFL. Um, there's not a lot to work with, a lot of undrafted running backs and hopes of Jalen Waddle becoming a true number one receiver. So, good luck to Miami going forward. I think about them, again, this would be so much easier to evaluate if we knew how long Tua was out, but unfortunately we don't at this point, so... We'll just have to wait and see how this one plays out. Shout out to our boys over at the Dogs of War podcast. Congratulations to your Cleveland Browns on getting their first win of the season. And congratulations to the Houston Texans for covering the spread against said Cleveland Browns. Uh, Tyrod Taylor, just the worst of luck. I mean, good lord. This should probably be more of a memes of the weekend topic, but good lord Tyrod Taylor has gotten so unlucky. Um, first of all, he had an amazing touchdown run against the Browns to tie the game at 14 right before he gets injured, doesn't return, and then that's kind of when the game gets out of hand for the the Cleveland Browns. And they end up winning the game 31-21, outscored him like, what What would that be, 17-7 to to end the game after Tyrod Taylor goes out? But man, has Tyrod Taylor had bad luck. I don't think, oh my gosh. So we know the story before we've done memes on it. It was actually a super viral meme, but basically Tyrod Taylor has been replaced now by three, three times he's been replaced by top 15 quarterbacks. Once by Josh Allen, once by Justin Herbert, once by Baker Mayfield. And he'll probably be replaced by whoever the Texans draft at the top of the draft this year. Although the Texans might actually be good enough to not draft number one, even though I said after the Jaguars game, they might not win another game the rest of the year, because if you had to pick one they were going to win, it would be at home against the Jaguars. But Tyrod Taylor's now out. It's Davis Mills season. They play the Panthers on Thursday night football. We're going to have to do some kind of bit for Sam Darnold. We've got a few days to come up with that. If you want to hear more about the Sam Darnold Revenge Tour, make sure to check out the Memes of the Weekend podcast that has dropped before this. It's next up on your podcast feed. We'll talk a lot about the Saints and Panthers because of this magical Sam Darnold Revenge Tour that's going on. I mentioned the Jaguars second ago, and this is a seamless transition into our final three games of the weekend um, while skipping over the Giants and Washington game, because to be honest, didn't watch the end of the game. So uh, heard it was crazy, heard everyone else enjoyed it, but didn't see how the game ended. But anyways, uh, let's talk about the final three games. And there's a reason I saved these three games 
for the very end because there's a common thread between the three of them. And it is Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, and Joe Burrow. Top three picks that really disappointed in this week two. And Zach Wilson's going to be the one who takes the brunt of the blame because of his stat line that is flashingly bad. Four INTs for him. Uh, Two of them came while NFL Red Zone blacked out um, for like seven minutes at the beginning of the broadcast, which by the way was like a panic moment for everyone. Think about that. Like I'm recording this now and it's like been almost 24 hours and it, it feels like so long ago that NFL Red Zone blacked out in the first hour of seven hours of commercial free football feels like such a long time ago. And yet it was also just so recent. And this is like something that gets mentioned at the back end of the NFL Monday podcast that probably should be memes of the weekend as well. But a lot of this podcast is laughing at weird stuff. It's kind of the theme we have here. But anyways, so Zach Wilson ends up having the laughably bad game where everyone pulls out the stat. If he had just spiked the ball in the ground every single time, he would have had a higher QBR than he did because turnovers weigh so heavily on the QBR statistic. And I think had, you know, the Jets not gone the Giants route, and I put Giants route in air quotes with Daniel Jones and said, you know, hell or high water, Zach Wilson's going to be our quarterback. If he gets hurt, our season's over. Uh, Same thing they've done with Daniel Jones by never signing a major backup who could theoretically replace Daniel Jones. They've basically said, hell or high water, Daniel Jones is our quarterback. And the Jets are doing the same strategy with Zach Wilson, and maybe this performance does warrant a benching. They were never in it against the Patriots, who, by the way, were a great pick this week by our man, uh, Blake Jude, over on Stripe Hype Cincy. He rebounded quite nicely from that Washington L. He got the Panthers. Uh, He didn't get the Cardinals cover, which was unfortunate for him, but he still walks away with a 2-3 and record to salvage the week a little bit with the Patriots being the big victory for him. But still, you walk away feeling good about yourself in that one, and the New England Patriots whooped up on the Jets um, in a fashion that I probably could have predicted. Probably should have taken the Patriots instead of, you know, picking the Miami Dolphins again or picking Pittsburgh, God, Oakland, or Las Vegas, or wherever the hell they are, that whole team. Um, But, you know, Zach Wilson, obviously, Zach Wilson's played bad twice in a row. Like, save for a backdoor cover against the Panthers in week one, Zach Wilson has had nothing but bad performances for the Jets and the Jets are a bad team and the Jaguars are a bad team so we give Trevor Lawrence the leeway we give Zach Wilson the leeway and I think both of those quarterbacks are going to be fine I think Trevor Lawrence gives me more you know feel good because Trevor Lawrence is regarded as more talented than Zach Wilson universally been regarded as more talented than Zach Wilson I trust the evaluations from like three months before the draft more than the evaluations at draft time, which says that, you know, Justin Fields is the second best quarterback in that draft class. Zach Wilson's number three and a number three quarterback in a draft class can absolutely flop because the number one quarterback in a draft class can absolutely flop, especially when put in a position to fail, like with the New York Jets. Um, even if Robert Sala and Mike LaFleur are not the same era as before, it's just, you know, it's sometimes unexplainable with what the bad luck the Jets have had around or the fact that the fans booed Zach Wilson off the field today, which 
don't do that, okay? You are only hurting yourselves. Have you learned nothing from Giants fans? Have you learned nothing from Giants fans? You can do this to yourselves. You probably did it to Sam Darnold. You keep bringing up the seeing ghosts thing, including in Zach Wilson's post-game press conference for some godforsaken reason. Stop doing this to yourselves, New York. You're dooming your own hopes by booing Zach Wilson, by forcing the team to fire Ben McAdoo when Ben McAdoo was right about Eli Manning being washed. You are doing this to yourselves. And you're going to do it maybe with to Zach Wilson as well, who now is looking real rough through two games into his NFL career. Trevor Lawrence, same situation. I think he finished with a 71 QBR, which is, you know, it's not the horrendously bad games like Aaron Rodgers had in week one or Zach Wilson had this week, but it puts him probably in the bottom six among quarterbacks this week, which would be close to the second week in a row. He bounced back towards the end of that uh, Texans game in garbage time. But Trevor Lawrence, similarly to Zach Wilson, has not been a lot to, you know, show for success. And the good news for Trevor Lawrence is that he does have more touchdowns than interceptions, which, again, is a low bar to hit. Like Jameis Winston during his 30-touchdown season, or 30-INT season, had more touchdowns than INTs. So it's a bar that literally every quarterback can hit. But Zach Wilson is not hitting that bar, so at the very least, when compared to Zach Wilson, it hasn't quite been as bad for Trevor Lawrence. But it's, again, it's not been great, and there's a reason Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson were drafted one and two. Those teams were really bad, and not just the really bad of like the Cardinals getting the number one pick to get Kyler Murray, because that was like a team that was expected to win like seven games that year. Jets and the Jaguars were expected to be ass like bare butt ass cheeks terrible in 2020 and outside of those top picks they didn't do a ton to address the rest of the roster like the Jets spent a little bit of money to bring in wide receivers and hoped the offensive line would be better but now Mekhi Becton is battling injuries which obviously doesn't help um the uh Jacksonville signed uh I'm sorry not signed Jackson well they did sign Marvin Jones but Marvin Jones we know what Marvin Jones is at this point um they drafted Travis Etienne and obviously he's gone at this point they brought in a Daryl Bevel offense that is just as frustrating as he was with the Detroit Lions and so well and the Seattle Seahawks but more recently with the Detroit Lions and so this is now compounding itself especially if you have James Robinson in fantasy like myself it's compounding itself a bunch and making it feel worse two weeks in a row and I'm not the person who's hitting the panic button same thing with Justin Fields Justin Fields came in for Andy Dalton and by the way Bears fans hoping Andy Dalton would be injured is a sign of just how desperate they are at this point for something good they better start Justin Fields next week by the way they better start Justin Fields against the Cleveland Browns even if it's against Miles Garrett, you can't protect him forever. Just do it. Just do it at this point. Justin Fields finished with 60 passing yards, um, no touchdowns. I think he had one INT, and he rushed 10 times for 31 yards. So Justin Fields, again, in the moments he played, didn't play great. Um, the other side of that coin is that Joe Burrow was just, again, bare butt ass cheeks terrible in the game against the the Chicago Bears. He threw three straight picks, including a pick six, which was like, 
I've never seen Joe Burrow play that bad, which again, in those types of games, I walk away and say, we didn't learn anything about Joe Burrow. It's just an unlucky stretch. It's going to happen. Uh, Joe Burrow is going to have interceptions because we don't think of Joe Burrow as that guy like Aaron Rodgers who's going to have 45 touchdowns and six interceptions, like a nine to one touchdown interception ratio. It's probably, you know, closer to three to one. And if it's three to one, that's a huge success, especially if that three to one means 30 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. If that's the case, Joe Burrow is going to be a very solid quarterback in the NFL. And that's what Bengals fans can hope for at this point, because it's looking like that franchise is so godforsaken terrible that they're going to ruin Joe Burrow. It's why we've been saying for a while now, if you're going to ruin Joe Burrow, at least let him play with his friends. And Joe Burrow looked genuinely bad in this last game. I don't even think it was the offensive line. I think it was just mistakes he made. The Bears have a still semblance of a defense that used to be elite. I know Eddie Jackson, I think, had something in there. Um, I forgot who else had a pick in that game. Oh, yeah, Roquan Smith had the pick six. By the way, Roquan Smith has wheels, like surprising wheels on Roquan Smith. That dude, like, broke away from, like, not even offensive linemen, like, broke away from, like, tight ends and receivers to go get that touchdown. That was, like, wheels on Roquan Smith. Um, Jalen Johnson had a pick. Good hope for him coming out of Utah. Like, good good feels for the Chicago Bears. If you're going to replace Kyle Fuller, maybe Jalen Johnson's, like, a, a Walmart option to replace him. So, that was pretty good. Robert Quinn got ejected. It's an all-around fun game for the Bears' defense, at least the semblance of the Bears' defense that's left. But um, they, they made Joe Burrow look silly, and that just wasn't something I was ready for. But it worked out well in their favor. Joe Burrow gets to make the mistakes and turns out okay for the fun, fun Chicago Bears? Question mark. At least they get Justin Fields now. But still... Uh, all three of those quarterbacks, Joe Burrow, Zach Wilson, Trevor Lawrence, struggle and enough to make me think about it a little bit. And uh, I think that's the way we want to close things out here on the Take It Easy podcast on an NFL Monday. We wrap it up talking about Joey B, Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, all the fun games that went down over this weekend. Um, shout out to the Rams. The Rams are the team that like quietly walk away feeling super impressed about Cardinals Vikings was just stupid fun. If you want the rest of the games on the analysis here, make sure to stay tuned for the memes of the weekend episode. If you finished the memes of the weekend episode, man, I really love you so much for really loving this podcast. Um, shout out to everyone over at Believe. Shout out to betonline.ag. Uh, you can find the link to them in the description to today's episode. Um, use that promo code that we mentioned at the beginning. If you want the instructions again, check it out at the start of this podcast. Redownload, down, download, redownload, go through some old archives, download 10, 20, 30, 40, 60 episodes, whatever it is, it's all good with me. I appreciate any and all the support. So with that being said, ladies and gentlemen, take it easy. We'll talk to you again tomorrow, hopefully with more bits, hopefully with more guests, and maybe next week we'll get to play more of our songs. And we're going to need some, uh, we're going to need some more suggestions from the people to help with transitions. We got to use the Browns one for the first time, but we didn't get to use the Chargers or the Dolphins or the Kansas City Chiefs. So we need some new ones, people. Throw them out here. We always much appreciate your ideas and support 
here on the podcast. Talk to you again tomorrow.